2 Corinthians chapter number 11. And uh, you, you would think that, that I'd be preaching a different type message this morning than uh, what we're going to get. But uh, I, I've been praying about the message all week and trying my best to convince the Lord to let me preach a message what we could shout and get excited about and you know, maybe throw a baby across the aisle or something or another, and uh, he just wouldn't let me do it. And so tonight we're going to be, or this this morning rather, we'll be preaching about the devil. And uh, how many has had an encounter with the devil this week? Mm-hmm. Well, that's who we're going to talk about. And and I'll say this, and I, I don't know if this is original or not, but I don't preach on the devil a lot because the devil's bigger than I am. And uh, I don't want to give him glory. I don't want to give him too much praise about all that he does to shed too much light on him. But this morning... In the very beginning of November in 2021, I almost feel like we need to uncover some things about the devil. And so that's what we're going to be doing this morning, if the Lord will help me. But uh, let's read our text, Second <clears throat> Corinthians chapter number 11, verse number 13, 14, and 15. It says, For such are false prophets, <coughs> deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. Now, y'all need to get that. I'm not going to be really preaching too much out of verse 13, but it says there are false apostles, there are deceitful workers, and they are transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. Now, you can turn on your television and you can find near about, I'm going to hurt some of y'all's feelings, you can find just about any religious channel and you can find someone that speaks just enough truth to get you to stay tuned in, but the whole while they're giving you something that's false. What they've done is they've transformed themselves into apostles of Christ. And you need to be careful, alright? I'll just leave that there. It says in verse number 14, And no marvel or no wonder, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers. Did you catch that? Verse 13 said there were false apostles and deceitful workers, but verse 15 says his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness whose end shall be according to their works. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for what we've had so far today. Lord, the good singing, the good offering. Father, we pray now that you would help us. Lord, it's preaching time. I ask you that you would just give us what we stand in need of. Give us power to preach the Word of God. Give us unction and utterance. We pray that you'd put a hedge about us, Lord. I pray that you'd put a hedge about this church, especially considering the subject that we're dealing with today. But God, I pray that you'd enlighten the eyes of your people. Open our eyes, Father. And I pray that you'd make us very aware in Jesus' name. Amen. I, I, I wanted to start with some misconceptions of the devil and uh, just two very simple ones. But but uh, as Brother David was teaching Sunday school, some other things came to my mind. <coughs> and so um, Halloween was just, just last Sunday and, and, and you saw throughout the week, Thursday, I think Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, there was different things going down, down uh, going on downtown. There's different things. And people dressed up as all kinds of characters, some bad, some good, some innocent, some not so much. But uh, there are, there are a lot of times the misconception of the devil is maybe just a cartoon character, uh, maybe a man dressed in a red suit, has got some plastic horns, maybe a, a, a tail and a pitchfork or, or something like that. Uh, then sometimes we see in cartoons or in shows, movies that we may watch, and I've not seen one in forever, but someone's at a crossroads and they've got to make a decision. And on one shoulder, there'll be a little angel. On another shoulder, there's a devil. And the devil's trying his best to get you to choose the wrong thing. Well, that that's all well and good, uh, but that's not the devil I'm talking about tonight or today. We pro- I don't know if it's time has messed me up, but I've said tonight four times already. But I was looking in Sunday school, just, just, just typed in, in the search bar, the, uh, the name Satan. 
And I just come across these things. Now, I'm just going to take my time this morning, but First Chronicles chapter 21, uh, I, I, it, this just kind of blew my mind. Verse number 1, it says, And Satan stood up against Israel and provoked David to number Israel. Satan stood up. Job chapter number 1. Verse 6, now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? And Satan said, From going to and fro in the earth, and walking up and down here. So we saw him in, in Chronicles, he, he stood up against Israel. In Job, he's he's in the earth, and he's going to and fro, and he's walking back and forth, up and down in it. Zechariah chapter 3, verse number 1, And he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord, listen to this, and Satan standing at his right hand to resist him. So Satan is standing against Israel. Satan is walking to and fro and up and down in the earth. And Satan is standing at the right hand of an angel to resist him, to fight against him. I believe it was Kurt the other day mentioned something Brother Dent told him. You don't know what followed you to church this morning. You don't know the spiritual warfare going around you this morning while an angel is protecting you from the fiery darts of the wicked. Better mark it down that the wicked's trying to get the upper hand. Satan is trying to get the upper hand. He, he does not fight fair. He will sucker punch you if he can. Uh, but you mark it down <clears throat> this morning that he is against you. Second Corinthians chapter number 12 verse number 7. Y'all women this morning? Verse number 7, and lest I should be exalted, here's the prince of preachers here, and lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. First Thessalonians chapter number 2, verse number 18, Wherefore we would have come unto you, even Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. And so in 2021, when we talk about Satan, we're not talking about some fairy tale. We're talking about something from the very beginning of time. We see that he was against God and he was against, at time as we know it, he was against God and he was against the people of God. And nothing has changed in that line today. He is against you. He is against your people. I, uh, I, we can look at false doctrines, we can look at false churches, we can go up and down this road, we can go up 19, we can go up 30, we can go down 280, and we can find churches that are teaching a false gospel. First Timothy chapter number 4 verse number 1 says that the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith. Now I find it very difficult to understand how born-again believers, born again, and I'm Baptist, I'm just going to tell you, I'm not going to cut any corners, I'm Baptist born, I'm Baptist bred, somebody said when I die, I'll be Baptist dead, I ain't going to go nowhere else, I'm a Baptist through and through, I'm an independent Baptist, I'm fundamental, I mean I want to believe, I do believe everything in the Word of God, and I don't want to stray from that, and it blows my mind that people will leave the Baptist faith in all of its truth and go to some other church, other denomination uh, because it's easier to understand uh, the preacher doesn't yell, he doesn't spit, he's not mean, uh, they have more to offer the youth. Uh, don't get me started on all that. They have more to offer uh, than these little churches like Lighthouse. Can I tell you something today? Uh, they need to junk what they've got and bust out the walls of churches like this where we teach and where we preach and where we live the gospel of Jesus Christ. But he says here in First Timothy, he said there's going to be some that will depart from the faith, but they're giving heed, listen, to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. I, I'm going to say this. I, I, I've tried my best not to say it. <sighs> if you're choosing your church 
based on how happy your kids are in church, you're going to choose the wrong church. Them youngins ain't got no discernment. They don't have no know-how or know-what to be able to say, I like it there. They can like it or lump it. Don't matter to me. It's mom and daddy that needs to get somewhere where, somebody help me, where they're being fed, where they're being told, where they're preached the right thing, and don't worry about all the programs and all that. that. That'll come. That'll, that'll happen. We'll do some, but more than any of that, we need, we need the preaching. In, in the pulpit, and we need mamas and daddies to say, I don't care if a hair lips every devil in hell, we go into the church where the gospel is being preached. I need five people to say amen right there. I thought I was in good mood when I got here this morning, but I'm half cocked right now. Be, be careful of these false religions, these false doctrines, these cults, if you will. Just be careful. Just cause it, just cause they got a Bible don't mean they're right. Just cause their sign says church don't mean they're right. Just because they're religious doesn't mean they're right. Satan, or when Satan rather, is unrecognizable, he is the most dangerous. I've yet to go hunting this year and it's killing me. Killing me. I'm going tomorrow. Nathan, you better get ready. I'm going to take you this week. <clears throat> but you know the drill. Those men, they go out there. They, they've already prepared. But what do they do? They don't want to be noticed by the deer. I always thought it was strange. From, I mean, the first time I ever saw it, I always thought it was strange that they put on all this camouflage and all this deer scent and everything and put bright orange on. It didn't make a whole lot of sense. I really, to to this day, I don't understand that. I realize it's for us, but I don't know if the deer can or cannot see it. But but the idea is to blend in from your look, from your scent, the sounds that you make. And Satan, listen to me. What are we doing? Brother David, what what did I don't did you get to go yesterday? What did you do yesterday? You went to hunt, right? Satan is on the hunt. So guess what he does? He studies the movements. He studies your tracks. And if you're... Tra- I mm, don't know what the message is going to end up being this morning, but y'all help me now. If he sees your tracks going off the road that God has placed you, he's going to set up a trap. He's going, y'all heard me. He's going to set up a trap. It might be a food plot. It might be a feeder. It might be a trail cam. It might be a blind somewhere. But He's going to wait on you. Because when you leave the path that God's placed, many times you're out here all by yourself. You're trying to figure it out all on your own. And you don't have anybody there with you. And the devil will take you out. The devil's most dangerous when he's not recognized. And so this morning, I want to try to to take off some of those masks, if you will, some of his disguises. Uh, I don't I don't like disguises. I I, I just don't. Um, I don't like the masks. That all that kind of stuff it it scares me. It unnerves me, and I don't I don't like it. I, I went somewhere the other day. It was over in South Carolina, and I pulled up to the gas station, and I was doing doing my stuff. And I looked on the on the steps, and there was a man, and it wasn't that cold, but there was a man that had one of those neck gaiters, had it all the way up over his head, and I was looking for my gun. Now you say, well, that, did that scare you? And I'm not being serious. I'm not being silly in saying, but it, it unnerved me because he was disguised. I couldn't see him. I couldn't see his eyes. Couldn't see his mouth. Couldn't tell his intentions. He was hidden. And Satan will often disguise himself. And so <clears throat> this morning, if you'll help me for a little while, I want to try to get rid of some of those things. This little word disguise, it means to hide by counterfeit appearance. Satan can disguise himself. He can transform himself. That means to change his figure into another. And so, as opposed, as opposed to just putting on a mask that you can tell is plastic, that you can tell is fake, 
Satan can do that to distract you, but he is so good at what he does, Brother Deke, he can make you believe he is someone else entirely. Number one, let's get back in the Bible here. Number one, look at verse number 13 here. For such are false prophets, false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. Number one, he is complicating the gospel. Satan's desire is, if it is true that Satan is is polar opposites of God, then Peter said that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so if that's God's desire for you and I, then what do you reckon Satan's desire is? Satan is desirable. He he does desire that all men perish and that all men go to hell. And and, and Satan's not in hell saying, oh. I have you now. All of the things that you're thinking about Satan that you've seen on TV, mark that out of your mind. Satan, the Scripture says, as a roaring lion. In Revelation, it calls him a dragon. Hey, I'm telling you, Satan is real. And his purpose, his desire is to complicate the gospel. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, verse number 3 and 4, Paul says, I delivered unto you first of all that which also I received. He said, I'm giving you my testimony. This is what I received. He said, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures and how that He was buried and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. So Paul said Christ died for... We're we're talking about the Gospel. Christ died for our sins, just like the Scripture said He would. He was buried and He rose again, just like the Scripture said that He would. He said that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the good news that Jesus died for all men, that He was buried, and that He rose again, Brother Joe. He said that's the gospel. There's no room for confusion in any of that. John 3, verse 16, very plainly, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Satan's desire is to complicate that message. And he's done so a couple couple months ago, I preached about the, the rainbow and that P word. You all remember that? Talking about how that, how that this world, how that Satan has has absconded with the rainbow that was a promise to, to, to the people and how that, how that this P word, this pride, uh, we can have a healthy pride, but, but they have, they have just messed up the language. You can't, uh, I don't know that I ever would before, but, but they're used to, you could describe someone's, uh, mood or someone's clothing as gay, happy, joyous. Miss Hannah's got on a, on a, on a bright yellow I think that's yellow, maybe, I don't know, whatever color that is. One would describe that as she's, she's dressed gaily. She's, she's dressed in gay apparel. Well, now you say something like that and people look sideways at you and wonder and, and turn away from you. Man, they, they messed it all up, but not only that, but they messed up love. They, you, the, the scripture tells us to greet one another with a holy kiss. Now, I ain't saying I want none of y'all furry-faced fellas to kiss on me. But it says when you greet one another, greet one another with a holy kiss. Now, if you see two men cussing, you got to hide your eyes and hide your children's eyes because it's perverted. Love. Used to be able to go to a friend, I still do it, and if somebody gets gets sideways, I'll get sideways back with them. But used to be able to talk to somebody, man, I, I sure do love you. Now if the wrong person hears you that and then, well he's wearing purple, so he must be he must be a little funny. I, I let me put it on record, I like purple, that's my favorite color, and I like pink. And I'll punch you in the nose if you make fun of it. I probably won't, but I'll think about it. These things, these love, even joy, 
The very things that in Galatians chapter 5, God said these are attributes of a Christian. These are, this is the fruit of the Spirit. If you're saved and the Spirit is in you, you're going to have these things. Satan has tried to, to take us in a whole different direction. He tries to complicate the gospel. I, I, I want to illustrate this. In Galatians chapter number 3, this young church at Galatia, they were, they were dealing with, they had received by Paul, they had received the grace of God, they had received the gospel of God, they had gotten saved, but now in chapter number 3, verse number 1, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you. This only what I learn of you, received ye the Spirit by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith? Are ye so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are ye now made perfect by the flesh? He said there in verse number 2, he says, you, you need to go back to what you remember. He said, you weren't redeemed, you weren't delivered, you weren't rescued by the law, but by the Spirit and by grace. He says in verse number 3, he says, have you begun in the Spirit and now made perfect in the flesh? Absolutely not. What begins in the Spirit will end in the Spirit. Amen. So they were dealing with these false prophets, these false teachings. And in chapter 2 of Galatians, verse 21, Paul says, I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Paul, essentially, he illustrates here that if you could have been made righteous for eternity by the law and by sacrifices and by penance, then today Christ is dead in vain. But I'm glad this morning that Christ is not dead in vain because it says once and for all, by one sacrifice, we are made heirs of Christ. It's because of the sacrifice of Christ that we can have salvation. The devil is complicating the gospel. But his arguments sound so convincing. They sound, they sound like a, a higher standard of holiness. He'll, he'll say things like, well, I know you're saved, but if you want to stay saved, you have to do this. Y'all got quiet right there. I know who I'm talking to. Y'all better help me. He says, if, 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 if you want to stay in God's good graces, you're, yeah, you're saved, but you need to do more. Satan will begin to make these things sound like if, if you, if you do extra, you'll be more holy. He ridicules of being saved by grace through faith. He'll say things like, there's got to be more to it than that. You're telling me you're just going to believe that Jesus died and accept it? Yeah, because that's what, that's what the Scripture said to do. What, what did John 3.16 say over there? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Adding to the gospel is taking away from it. When you try to mix anything with God's Word, you are taking away from it. And to add anything to faith reduces its power. To add anything to you simply believing in what Christ did, if you add anything to that, then you're taking away from the message of the Gospel. Adding works... Legalism, it takes away from grace. Brother Terry, remember, grace is getting what we do not deserve. And if we try to make ourselves worthy, then we're making God's grace of none effect. God gives us grace when we're dirty, when we're broken, when we're filthy. God gives us grace when we're sinners to become saints of God. 
In verse number 3 of our text. Chapter 11, 2 Corinthians. But I fear lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtly, subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Paul, he says, let's hold fast to the simplicity of Christ. Being saved is not simple. Now, I don't believe in, a, in an easy believism. I don't believe in a one, two, three, repeat after me type salvation. I, I realize, y'all, y'all need to listen to me. I realize that there are some people that they, they, they fall into conviction. They know they need to be saved, but, but they just don't know how to pray. And so you may, you may be able to help them and say, you know, maybe pray something like this. I understand that. But just to get cards handed in of decisions being made and just to get names on the roll and this, that, and the other, this one, two, three, that ain't gonna work. That ain't gonna work. I believe in Holy Ghost conviction. And unless God, through the Holy Ghost, convicts somebody, they're not getting saved. Not going to do it. And I know this may rub some people the wrong way, but but you may you may legitimately want to be saved. And you feel like, man, I want to go to heaven. See, that's what happened to me in 1990 around about. The man said, hey, who wants to go to heaven? Why, what 18-year-old boy don't want to go to heaven? Yeah, I'm ready to go to heaven. But God wasn't convicting me. God wasn't drawing me. But honey, by, by August of 1991, God kicked that joker in a high gear and started drawing me by the Holy Ghost. Goes by April twenty fourth, nineteen ninety two. It was do or don't at that point. It would do or die. And I'm telling you that on that day, God said, "This is the last day that I'm going to deal with your heart." My hand up. I know it was the last day, and I'm scared to death. That Holy Ghost conviction is necessary. He said, hold fast to the simplicity of Christ. Number two, he is contradicting the message of the cross. Look with me again, verse number 14, it says, And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Notice that, that the devil hates the message of the cross. He hates the fact that Jesus was able to die. I don't know if, if Miss Tanya read it or not, but there's a book written by um, somebody. Can't remember his name right now. Anyway, uh, he, he wrote this book about the, the birth of Christ. And he talked, uh, uh, the book was all fiction. There's no Bible to it, but if you, if you kind of just think about it, you can maybe see some of it happen. But he got to talking about the, a little vial that was filled with, with the seed and, and how that he gave that to Gabriel and how that Gabriel had to leave heaven and give it to Mary and, and there was a battle. The devil was out to steal the seed. He was out to kill the messenger. He was out to kill uh, Mary. He was out to kill Joseph because they were God's chosen vessels for His Son. And I'm telling you, it it is so intriguing thinking about it. But know that, that the devil hates Christ and he hates the message of the cross. So much that he transforms himself. Remember that transform definition? It means to appear as something else entirely. And so he transforms himself into an angel of light. Why does he do that? So that he can, so, uh, so that he can seduce. So that he can entrance people with a different message. Listen to this. Matthew chapter 16. Satan deceived Peter about the cross. Verse number 21, it says, From that time, Jesus began to show unto his disciples how that he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Verse 21 is Jesus giving the instructions of his impending death. Verse 22 though, then Peter took him and began to rebuke him. Who? 
took who? Peter took Jesus. And I can picture him, Leah, pulling Jesus by the lapel of his robe and saying, you're not going anywhere. Look at what he says. He began to rebuke him. Be it far from thee, Lord. This shall not be unto thee. It's not going to happen, Jesus. Peter is rebuking him, shaking him, maybe by the shoulder saying, get that out of your mind. Quit saying that. Don't, don't say that again. Don't, what we say, don't jinx yourself. Don't do that. But Jesus replied in verse number 23. But he, Jesus, turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. He said, Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Now he was aiming his words to Peter. Then a doubt in my mind, he was talking to the devil. He's talking to, he said, get thee behind me, Satan. He contradicts the message of the cross. He's deceived so many today. Satan says things like, do this and live. Christ, on the other hand, he said, it is done. Believe and live. Remember what he said on the cross, it is Finished. Nothing else to be added. If you were to go and buy some great piece of artwork, I don't know, somebody's dead and gone. It's worth countless hundreds of thousands of dollars. And you said, you know, I don't like the way that looks. I'm going to get my own paint and I'm going to, I'm going to change it. I'm going to add to it. They'd probably call the crazy police on you. This is a masterpiece. This is a work of art from... Somebody tell me a painter. Leonardo da Vinci. Is he a painter? Or he create light bulb? I don't know what he did. I have no idea. He's one of the Ninja Turtles, I think. Maybe. I don't. This is a masterpiece. You, you can't defile this. You can't add to this. Well, okay, I won't add to it. I just, I just do not like this. So I'm just going to pick that off. I'm just going to take a razor. I'm just going to cut it off. No, you can't do that. Why? Because it is finished. And on Calvary, Jesus put that final brush stroke on his, on his work and said it is finished. Nothing can be added to it. Nothing can be taken away from it. It is finished. It is done. It is in the annals of time. It is forevermore settled in heaven that Christ Jesus died for all men, for all women, no matter the race, no matter their creed, no matter their color, no matter their money, no matter their pedigree. He died for all. And Satan absolutely hates it. And he tries to transform himself into an angel of light. So that he can deceive, deceive others. He deceives them in rejecting the cross by saying that it's too violent. It's too bloody. People call, especially Baptists, they call the Baptist a, a, a bloody religion. And the reason for that is because we believe in the crucifixion of Christ, that He bled for us and and He applied that blood to the mercy seat and thereby applies it to our hearts in salvation. And they call us a bloody religion, but do they not think about all of the blood that was shed by organized religions such as the Catholics and the Mormons and so many others, the Muslims and the, and the Buddhists, all these others, the blood that was shed from innocent men and women, but that's not the blood that Satan is so upset about. It's the blood of Christ. It was the pure blood. He said he could have said, you can just keep on killing the animals, keep sacrificing, keep doing whatever you want to do. But not Christ. Not Christ. Let anyone die, but not Christ. There's something about that blood. Number three. He's causing controversy among the Christians. Verse 13 and verse 15 tie hand in hand together. Talks about these false apostles, deceitful workers. Verse 15, Therefore it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed by the ministers of righteousness whose end shall be according to their works. Satan 
is causing controversy among the Christians. Satan's workers, his ministers, if you will, they appear to be righteous. There's a man that I want to call his name so bad. And I had it before church because I was going to call his name. But I can't think of it to save my life, Miss Denisha. So for whatever reason, I'm not going to call names today. These are, these are great big preachers on the television. Got huge contemporary followers. All of these things. I think they need to be called out, but God's not letting me do it today. But I want us to know something. That they often appear righteous. They often appear like they've got a great message. They often appear very, um, uh, f- uh, not flamboyant, uh, charismatic in their delivery. And they bring people to them. And they, and they draw people to them. And everybody just loves them. Many of the people that cause trouble in churches too, they, uh, they sound right. They sound like they've got good words, good ideas, a good spirit. I'll probably kind of get out of my thing, but does everybody know what I mean when I say super spiritual? Well, David, I don't know how you are. You was talking about getting to meet people and getting to talk to people about the Lord and how that blesses you. I'm with you. But have you ever come in contact with somebody that's just super spiritual and it just gives you the heebie-jeebies? And they think they're the best thing under the sun. And they talk about God. And they pull out script. Now, I'm not talking about preaching, but they, they pull out scriptures and they, and they talk to you. I got a neighbor and he, man alive, you talk to him and you'll, you'll say, you know, I don't, I don't know. Did you check your mail today? And he'll give you a scripture about checking the mail. And I'm like, I didn't even know that was in there. I mean, he just all the time, scripture after scripture and, and just seems like everything is just right in his world and, and, uh, you run into people and they're all the time telling you about all of the things that they've learned and how they study all the time and, and how they read all the time and they do all these great things and, and they're all the time talking about God. But it's always, it's always more. It's always, it seems like it's always extra. It's not just normal conversation. And I'll be honest with you. I'm very guarded around those people. Very guarded around those people. Because there's something in their spirit, in my spirit, that's saying, this ain't right. Something ain't right. Now, believe me, I love Scripture just as much as anybody. I love talking about the Lord just as much as anybody. But, but there is times for those things. I'm going to skip that little part right there. Talked about a little trail just a little while ago. The devil will divide and conquer. He says, therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness. Satan will divide and conquer. You probably have a personality that you're drawn to. And... The devil has someone with a false message just waiting for you with that type of personality. Maybe they're loud, boisterous. Maybe they're funny. Maybe they're sullen. Maybe they're monotone, whatever the case may be. And you like that type. I know some of you in here, you don't like it when people have a good time at church. Don't make no sense to me. I know there's some in here that if the preacher cracks a joke, you don't like it. That don't make no sense to me. Because the Bible says we ought to be a joyful people. And, and it's not to disrespect anybody. It's, it's just to get the attention and to draw the attention and to make a point oftentimes. But if we're not careful, our personality desires, you know, to, to you like a person like that, you like this style of preaching, you like this style of teaching or whatever, the devil will draw you away from someone else. And he will do so, but again, with just a little bit of truth, but he'll draw you over here till you're all by yourself and he'll attack. Troublemakers, they're often super spiritual. 
I heard a message by uh, not 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 the uh, Larry Brown that just passed away, but there's another Larry Brown. And he, he preached a message on blowing the whistle on the wolves. I've listened to it several times. I'll never be able to preach it. As much as I want to, I'll never be able to preach that message. But but in that, I, I learned some things. And he said that there's there's wolves in churches already. Y'all still okay this morning? He said there's wolves in churches. And, and I've I've tried my best to figure out who the wolves are. And there's... And I can't see them. I can't see them. But I'm fixing to tell you. So y'all can help me look. There's a ravening wolf. In Matthew chapter number 7, verse number 15, Jesus says, Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. This word ravening, it is heavy, burdensome, violent, and unsparing. He goes on, the preacher went on and he said there are evening wolves in Habakkuk and also in Zephaniah. Zephaniah chapter 3, verse number 3, talks about Israel and it says her her princes uh, within her are roaring lions. Her judges are evening wolves. They gnaw not the bones till the morrow. He said they sit there and they watch it and they wait and they attack when they are good and ready. He said they gnaw. And all those bones. Listen to this. This evening wolf, they are subtle. They're often in disguise. They're undercover. He ended it with grievous wolves. In Acts chapter number 20, verse number 29 and 30. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. This grievous wolf is hurtful, destructive, causing mischief. Better be careful. And listen to me. I could call some names right now. Y'all know who I'm talking about. Better be careful entertaining everybody that comes through the doors. Do I need to say that again? You better be careful entertaining everybody that comes through. I want everybody that wants to to come through those doors, find a seat, and be more than welcome. But not everybody that comes through those doors belongs at Lighthouse. Not everybody that comes through those doors have the right spirit upon them. And if you talk to them, you'll understand. Not everybody that comes through those doors are coming to be a blessing, to coming to help the church grow. There's some, and, and, and this, this is not in, in the outline, but Miss Denisha, some, they come and they're like a leech. They may have some benefits, Brother David, but they attach themselves and they suck. And they drag. And they need. And they want. But they never, they never give. They never give back. Better be careful of those false ministers of Satan. Because he can use it to destroy a church as grounded as this one. Just like that. So, I'm constantly on the lookout for wolves, but I need y'all to be on the lookout for wolves. You got evening wolves, grievous wolves, and ravening wolves. Now, don't be nitpicking. I don't want none of y'all coming up and saying, look, I done been watching Jody. He's a grievous wolf. Something's wrong, something's wrong with him. We need to get him out of here. No, we're, we're not talking about churching anybody right now. We're not doing that. And that's not what we're talking about. But Satan will cause controversy among Christians. Brother David, you used a word this morning. And that word was mark. Brother David, you used it in the good way. When God marks us for His work. That's wonderful. 
But the Bible tells us we ought to mark those false prophets. Beware of them. You say, I don't believe that. <laughs> I thought you might say that. Second Corinthians, Second uh, Thessalonians chapter number three, verse 14. And if any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man and have no company with him that he may be ashamed. He said, you need to note that man. If he rejects the gospel, if he rejects the preaching, he rejects the word of God. He said, you better note him. Now, Romans chapter number 16, he uses that word mark. Now, I beseech you, brethren, mark them that cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned and avoid it. He went on to say, mark them and avoid them. I believe if we'll take off the disguises from off of Satan... We'll be able, one, I believe that we'll be able to see him as he is if we look through the facade that he puts on. But if we take those things off, we'll see truly what his desires are. Because you'll often see, you'll often see someone that is in a, a, uh, 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 they've transformed themselves into someone else. The reason being is so they could go in places they're not supposed to be in. And so it might, and I don't think we have one, but it might be today that someone is, has disguised themselves. They've transformed themselves into an angel of light. Just to be a part of us. And when the time's right, they'll pull that thing off and you find that they're actually a wolf. And they're here to gnaw and destroy, cause confusion. Probably one of the most, uh, I need you to hear this word, I probably should use another word, but one of the most damning things in a church is confusion. That's why when someone teaches in this church, they're going to use the King James Bible. When someone preaches, they're going to use the King James Bible. They're not going to do it any other way. Not going to do it. Because I don't want them to be confused. Our brother uh, Odom mentioned it the other day. I believe it was brother Odom. It might have been somebody else. They're saying, you know, maybe maybe in Sunday school or something like that, the teacher's out there reading, and then next thing you know, maybe somebody has come and they don't have a King James Bible. Well, they may not know any better. They may not know. There ain't no sense in beating them up over it, but they may say, well, that's not what my Bible says. Well, that gives us an opportunity to say, well, let me just check and see. Maybe you read it wrong. No, I see it is. Well, would you like a Bible like mine? And I'm going to tell you something. If you need a King James Bible, if you want a King James Bible, I will go and buy you one. I think I have some in my office. If you want one, they're yours. Confusion. That's why we're careful when we get folks to speak. Because we don't want confusion. The devil will cause division, confusion among us. I'm going to end right there. If y'all think you can find an invitation song for me, that'd be wonderful. I'm going to leave you these four four final things here. I don't even know if I gave you the title of the message. The title of the message was The Best Dressed Man in Town. He will disguise himself. He will do everything he can to blend in with the crowd. Maybe even to be noticed at times. But I believe first we need to learn to recognize the devil. We need to resist the devil. When you recognize him, you need to resist the devil. When you've resisted him and he's still on your trail and you're, 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 you're making, you're making some inroads, you're getting away from him, it might be a good idea to turn around and remind him that he is defeated. And then, when you begin to remind him 
that his place is eternity in the lake of fire, then last you can rejoice. You can rejoice because God's delivered you from his hand. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Now, God, I realize this is a different message probably than than I, I would ever choose to preach. But God, it's a message that we needed to. So I pray today that you'll just take it. I ask you that you'd have your will in the hearts of your people. God, maybe somebody today, they've heard the gospel message. That Jesus Christ died and was buried and rose again. And they've been drawn to that message. And you've touched their heart. And Lord, they don't want Satan to have control in their life. They want you to bring them to this altar. God, maybe there's somebody... Lord, they've been confused by Satan. Maybe right now they're confused by Satan. And Lord, you're drawing them back to that path that you've placed them on. And Lord, you're trying to keep them safe from one of those, one of those wolves. Now God, maybe there might be a wolf in here this morning. God, if there is, I'm going to ask you to do something. I pray God that you'd do one of two things. You either convict them and allow them to get it right. Or you allow them to be recognized and marked. Lord, I don't know that I've ever asked you to remove somebody from a church. But if there's a wolf in here that's intending to do harm, which every wolf will, I ask you to mark them and get them out of this church. Lord, I ask you at the very beginning of this message to put a hedge about us. Lord, every fiber of my being says we need a hedge right now. So, God, I'm asking you. Lord, I'm believing and I'm trusting you, God. Lord, I ask you to have your will today. In Jesus' name, amen. I believe some Christians need to come down and just ask God to hedge about this place today. If you will, you come into this altar and just pray that God will protect this church. I'm asking you to do that right now. Well, David, you sing.